0: Father, we just have so much to be grateful for. Uh, you have given us so much through your son, Jesus Christ. The, our salvation, Lord, the, uh, all the hope and promises that you give us, uh, the assurances that you give us, Lord, we, we're just so blessed. And Lord, as Peter's shown us in the first part of this book, you've given us your divine nature, Lord, the divine seed. You've planted that seed in us. and. Lord, with that seed comes all the divine power that we need for uh, life and uh, godliness, Lord. And, and so, Lord, if, if, if we have your divine seed, we should be uh, manifesting that in our lives. And, and we, should be, we should be becoming more and more godly every day. And so, Lord, I ask you today to take this text and and do a diagnosis as far as where we're at with you, Lord. Are, first of all, are we really saved? Do we, do we really know Jesus is our Savior? And then second of all, Lord, are we really growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ? Are we stagnant? Are we, are we sick spiritually, Lord? Uh, this text will uh, do that diagnosis for us today, Lord. And I just ask that you, you show us just where we're at. And, and Lord, show us the cure if we're ill. And, I just ask that you show us all these things by the power of your Holy Spirit. I ask that in Christ's name. Amen. You know, I don't know about you, but for me, it's a scary thing to go to the doctor's office and amen. Right. You never know what news the doctor's going to give you. Reminds me of the man who went to the doctor's office and, and, uh, for a checkup and, uh, after the checkup, the doctor said, I've got some really terrible news for you. You're about to die. And he said, you need to get your house in order. You don't have long to live. And the man said, wow, that's terrible. How long do I have to live, doctor? And he said, the doctor said, 10. He said, 10, what do you mean? 10, 10 years, 10 months, 10 days. The doctor said 10, 9, 8, 7. I had to get to 6 for some of y'all to get that. (laughs) But he got some really bad news. So it's a scary thing sometimes to go to the doctor's office because you you never know what you're going to hear. Well, you know what? Studying God's word sometimes is a very scary thing because you don't know what you're going to hear, especially when you study the word Verse by verse. And that's why a lot of people don't like verse by verse Bible study. Because all they want to hear is that everything's fine and everything's dandy and and I'm going to be healthy and I'm going to be wealthy all my life. And they want to hear that. They don't want to get any bad diagnosis. They don't want to hear any bad news. Well, I got news for you today. You're here. And we go verse by verse through the Bible. So you're going to get a spiritual diagnosis whether you like it or not. Unless you get up and leave. And, and Peter's going to tell us just how well you are or just how sick you are spiritually. But here's the good news about the Bible. You know, you can go to the doctor's office. And the doctor can tell you, hey, you got bad news and there's nothing I can do for you. But whenever the Bible gives you bad news about yourself... It also gives you the cure. There's a cure for everything that ails you spiritually. And that's what we're going to see as we uh, look at this text. Now, if you think about it, how should our state be spiritually? How How should our health be spiritually? We should be healthy, strong Christians. Because look back at what Peter's told us. Look back in verse number three. Or actually verse number four first. Look what he's told us. He says, we've been given the divine nature. We partake of the divine nature of God. If you're a born again believer, if you've received Jesus Christ, you've been given part of God's divine nature. Now, is, is the divine nature unhealthy or healthy? Healthy, perfectly healthy. So we've been given the divine nature, and in verse 3 we're told that we've been given his divine power for everything that pertains to godliness, for everything that pertains to life. And so my question is, should we be healthy Christians or should we be unhealthy Christians? We should be very healthy. We should be perfectly healthy. I mean, there shouldn't be anything wrong with our health. But I'm afraid some of us are sick spiritually. We're not the healthy Christians that God wants us to be. And so Peter tells us we've been given the divine nature. We've been given the divine seed. And as I said last week, if you've been given a seed, that in itself implies what? It implies growth. We should be growing healthier and healthier and healthier as born again believers. And what does that health look like? Well, what does that growth look like? Well, Peter's going to show us that in the next few verses. So we read with me beginning in verse number five, and that's where we pick up today. Second Peter chapter one, verse number five, he says, but also for this very reason, for this very reason, since you've been given the divine nature, since you have divine power for everything that pertains to life and godliness, then You should be getting healthier and healthier. So he says, but for also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue and to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, uh, brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness, love. You want to see what a growing Christian looks like? That's the way we should be growing. We should be growing in more faith, in more virtue, in more knowledge, in more self-control. Now we're stepping on toes, right? Uh, On my toes, anyway. In perseverance and in in godliness. And then in brotherly kindness and then in brotherly love. We should be advancing in all of those things. All right, so, so let's, let's take them one at a time. First of all, he speaks of our faith. We're to give all diligence to our faith. To, all diligence to our faith. In other words, let me tell you where, it, uh, where health in Christianity begins. It begins with your faith. You show me a Christian who really believes All the promises of God really believes them. I'm not talking about just has them in their head. They have those promises down in their heart and they really believe all those great and precious promises that we've been given by God. You show me that Christian and I will show you a healthy Christian. You show me somebody who doesn't believe and I will show you an unhealthy Christian. And where does faith come from? Where does faith come from? It comes from God. It's a gift of God. But we're also told in Romans 10, 17, that faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. So you're not going to be a healthy Christian if you're not in the word of God. It's the word of God that saves us It's the word of God that sanctifies us. It's the word of God that glorifies us. So we're to give all due diligence. Now, that wording there's a little tricky, but really what he's saying there, we're to give all due diligence, first of all, to our faith. And, and, And once we have faith then, real faith, then we're to add to that virtue. We're to add virtue. Well, what's virtue? Virtue is... Is the opposite of corruption. Remember what Paul—I mean, what Peter said in the last part of verse number four. Well, let me read verse four. He says, "By having, by which having been given to us, exceedingly great and precious promises—that those are the promises we believe in; those are the promises we have faith in—that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is the world through lust." Well, the opposite of that corruption of the world through lust. Now, somebody who's corrupted by the world through lust, are they spiritually well or are they spiritually sick? They're spiritually sick. And so what he's saying here, the opposite of being spiritually sick is being spiritually healthy, and that's having virtue. What is virtue? That's Christian character. That's integrity. We're to add to those things virtue we're to add to faith virtue uh, and, and 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 hey that's that's a sign of a healthy person if you have integrity and you're not corrupted by this world by the lust of this world you have virtue you have godly character well to, we're to add to our godly character look look next he says we're to add to virtue knowledge now That's a different word from the word knowledge that we looked at earlier in the last couple of weeks in 2 Peter. It's not epinosis, it's gnosis. It's just knowledge. It's a knowledge of facts. Facts about who? Facts about Jesus Christ. Where do we get that knowledge? We get that knowledge in the word. And so we're to add to that Christian character. If we want to keep that Christian character, if we want to keep from being corrupted by the world through luck, then we have to add knowledge. As I said earlier, to have faith, you have to be in the word of God. And the more you're in the word, the more virtuous you become. Now, how does that happen? I don't know how that happens, but I believe that it happens supernaturally. That's why I like staying in the word. Because I know it's the word that changes me supernaturally. And the more and more I'm in the word, the more virtuous I become. The more Christian character I have. Now, how many of you like ice cream and cake and cookies better than you like broccoli? Man, I know I do. But what happens to you if you eat nothing but ice cream and cookies and Uh, cake, what's going to happen to you? Well, you're going to get a little heavy, for one thing. But something else is going to happen to you. You're going to get sick. Your body is going to get corrupted. And let me tell you what else happens. When all you eat, the more you eat french fries and hamburgers, the less and less you like vegetables and fruits. I can tell you that right now. I mean, these people take me to Burgersmith way too much on Wednesday night. (laughs) They make me go and eat those fries and burgers and I've almost lost my appetite for good food. I mean, the more and more you eat that bad food, the less and less you want the good food. You understand the point I'm trying to make there? Not that Burger Smith is bad. I'm not saying that. The more and more you eat of this world, the things of this world, the corrupt things of this world, the junk of this world the less and less appetite you have for the word of God and the less healthy you are. You know, there are so many things out there that want to drag us away from, from the word and from, from the knowledge that we have in Jesus Christ, from the relationship that we have in Jesus Christ. And they're corrupt things. They're things of the flesh and, John's laughing here about something. I don't know what it is. There's, there's, <laughs> they're the, they're the, they're the things of the, they're the things of the flesh, the lust of this world. Look, it's okay to go to Burgersmith every once in a while. We go way too much. It's okay to go every once in a while. It's okay to eat a, a, a nice piece of chocolate cake every once in a while and some, with ice cream on top of it. That's okay. But if that's all you eat, you're going, to have, you're going to have health problems. That's true with the junk of this world. It's okay to watch television. It's okay to see a movie every once in a while. But let me tell you what. If all you do is immerse yourself in the junk of this world, you're going to be unhealthy. Your soul is going to be unhealthy. Your spirit is going to be unhealthy. So we're to add knowledge. We're to add knowledge, and we get that knowledge through the Word of God. Now, again, he's going to step on our toes. We're to add to our knowledge self-control. Self-control. <laughs> that's, what, hey, that's what I say, too. Even in traffic, self-control. What that word literally means, it, it, actually, it actually has kind of an interesting meaning. It literally means to get a grip on yourself. To get a grip on your spirit. I mean, uh, to get a grip on your appetites. To get a grip on your emotions. To get a grip on your temper. We're to have a grip on those things. Oh, pastor, what are you talking about? There's no way I can control my emotions. Emotions, yes, there is. Yes, there is. You can't do it. But Christ can do it through you. The divine power that you've been given gives you the power to control your emotions, to control your appetites, to control even your temper. I mean, we have that power within us. And so we need to be growing in self-control. And along with self-control, he says in the next one, he says to knowledge self-control, to self-control, perseverance, Or you could say patience. And where do we get patience? Where do we get perseverance? I mean, is it natural for us to persevere? You know what we are? Most of us, we're a bunch of quitters. We quit. We don't finish things. We like to quit. Whenever things get difficult, we quit. We don't have the patience. We quit on relationships. We quit on jobs. We quit on churches. We quit on ministries. We quit on just about everything, but we're not to be quitters. We're to be people who persevere in the situation that God has placed us in. Let me ask you a question. You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you believe you're in the situation right now that God has placed you in?
1: Raise your hand. I'll let
0: you raise your hand. Whether you believe it or not, you are. You are. I'm not saying, did you like, do you like that situation? I said, do you believe? Let me tell you this. If you've asked God for, or you've given that decision to God where you put yourself into the into that situation, I guarantee you you're in the place where God wants you to be. Because if you're prayerful about making your decisions, then God is going to direct your path. And he's going to put you in places where he wants you to be. And we get all excited about. New places where God takes us, in new relationships, in new uh, churches, in new uh, jobs. We get all excited about that, and then the honeymoon ends, and we're not so excited. And our nature says, "Do what? Quit! I've had enough of this. I'm going to quit. I've been offended. I've been, you know, I'm I'm not being treated right here." Well, let me ask you a question: Did God know that you wouldn't be treated right there? He sure did. When you ask him for for wisdom and he put you in that situation, he knew exactly what was going to happen to you in that situation. But he wants you in that situation because things are going to work out for your good in that situation. And so he wants you to stay there. And let me tell you what, when God puts you in a certain place and you decide to bolt that place, you're jumping out of the pan and into the fire. Be careful. you'll, you'll, You'll get yourself in a lot of trouble doing that. So we're to persevere. And we're to add to a perseverance, godliness. And we, don't, we don't just finish the race. We finish the race in righteousness. We live godly lives. Do we have the power in our own flesh to do that? No, but we've been given the divine power for all things that pertain to life and godliness. You can't do that in your own nature. You remember what Jesus said on the, in the Sermon on the Mount? He said, be ye perfect as my not as your friends are perfect. Be ye perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect. You talk about a tall order. Try to do that on your own. You're not going to make it. But you know what? You've been given the divine nature. The perfect nature. There's part of you that is perfect. If you're a born again believer. So you feed that nature instead of feeding the flesh. And you're going to move towards perfection. And so we're to be not only persevere, we're to be godly. Now, once you learn to persevere and once you learn to live a godly life through the power of Jesus Christ, once you learn those things, then you're ready to serve God. And once you're ready to serve God, then then, uh, you can move on and look at what he says next. We're to add to our perseverance brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness. That's the word Philadelphian. In the Greek, I'm tr- giving it to you literally. Philadelphia, we get our city what? Philadelphia from that. And, and philo means love, means brotherly. It means love, and, and Delphia means brotherly. So it's brotherly love. What kind of love is he talking about? He's talking about love you, the love you have for your spouse, the love you have for your children. You're to have love in your family. You're to have love for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul says, you know, don't grow weary in doing good, especially to those of the household of faith. We're, we're to show good to one another. We're, we're, that's, that, you know, when you love somebody because you like somebody, it's real easy to show them love, isn't it? It's, that's brotherly love. So, man, pastor, I can do that. Well, he messes us all up here because look what he says next. He says, add to brotherly love, love. Add to brotherly kindness, which is brotherly love, love. Different kind of love it agape love. Divine love. You know what divine love is about? That's loving people you don't like. That's submitting your needs to people you don't like or to people who don't like you. You know how many people loved Jesus when he came to this earth? Maybe Mary and Joseph, and that was about it. The rest of the world and hated him, and the more he grew and the more he, he, he grew into his position as God on earth, the more people hated him. Thank goodness for agape love. Thank goodness he didn't just exercise brotherly love. Thank goodness that he looked past that, and he died not just for the sins of Mary and Joseph, but for the sins of the whole world. And that's the way he wants us to love. He wants us to love with agape love. Man, I tell you what, we're getting in a situation in our nation with all of this divisiveness where, where people are saying, man, I'm going to love these people, but I'm going to hate these people. And, 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 and we're a nation divided because there's so much hate. There's a lot of brotherly love, but there's so much hate in this country right now. And that shouldn't be so in the church. And I'm not talking about in this room right here. I'm talking about in the church, the way we manifest our love to the outside world. We should love people as God loved us, with divine love, self-sacrificing love, love that submits our needs to others' needs. That's the way we're to love. Now, when you love like that, you've arrived. You've arrived spiritually. You are healthy spiritually. You are a healthy Christian when you can love anybody. I don't care whether they offend you or whether they don't offend you, whether you like them or you don't like them. You can still love them. You've arrived. You know, Peter knew that well. Because Peter thought he had arrived. Man, he thought after a couple of years with Jesus, he had this all down. I mean, he thought he loved everybody. He thought he could do anything, and he thought he would die for Jesus. He would do anything for Jesus. He would do anything for his friends because he had all of this love. Well, Jesus showed him, using the devil, Jesus showed him he didn't have that love. And then Jesus taught him. Remember when Jesus had resurrected from the dead? And we talked about this a few weeks ago when he was uh, feeding them breakfast on the seashore. And he said to Peter, he said, Peter, do do you agape me? Do you love me with divine love? And Peter said, Peter knew better than to say, yeah, Lord, I do, because he had learned his lesson. He said, no, Lord, but I phileo you. Basically is what he was saying. Lord, I phileo you. You know I phileo you. I love you like a brother. I love you like a father. And Jesus said, do you, do you, do you agape me? And Peter says, I phileo you. And Jesus said, do you even phileo me, Peter? Do you even love me? with brotherly kindness. And Peter says, Lord, I do, but you know all things. And you know, I think the Lord would say to Peter, you don't. You don't really understand what it is to love. You don't, you don't know what it is to love. You haven't arrived, Peter. But when Peter wrote this, the second Peter, the epistle we're looking at right now, I believe he had arrived. I believe not only did Peter have phileo love for his friends and his relatives and the church he had a agape love for the whole world he was like the lord he so loved the world that he wanted everybody to know about his begotten son he wanted that so bad that he was crucified upside down peter had arrived i mean no doubt he had arrived well let me ask you have you arrived are you there I mean, are you spiritually healthy? Well, you want to find out? Look at the next verse, verse number 8. For if these things are yours and abound, if faith and virtue and knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godliness and phileo love and agape love are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You're a healthy Christian. You're in great shape. Now, what's he mean by bound? Really a better word there, a better translation is advance. If you're advancing in these things. Are you getting more and more faith, more and more virtue, more and more knowledge, more and more self-control, more and more perseverance, more and more godliness, more and more phileo love, more and more agape love? If you're advancing in these things, then you're heading towards becoming a healthy Christian. If you're not, then you're barren. You're barren. Now that word's a little misleading too. Because when we think of barren, if you think of barren land, what do you think of? You think of parched land. You think of a desert. You think of land where no crops will grow. It's just totally useless land. That's when I think of barren land, that's what I think of. That's not the word there. The Greek word is argos. And that actually means fertile land. Fertile land. He says, but in this context... He's talking about fertile land that is useless. Now, can you imagine having fertile land that is absolutely useless? Let me ask you a question. Do you have fertile land? If you've been given the divine nature of God, you think maybe you have fertile land in your soul? Is your soul fertile? Should it be bearing fruit? You better believe it. You've been given the divine nature. You've been given the divine power for all things that pertain to life and godliness. You should be bearing all sorts of fruit. I mean, but we corrupt that land. And we're unhealthy. And we're not advancing in all of these things. And it's like we have this fertile land and we're letting it rot. We're wasting our new nature. And we're not healthy. We're sick. If we're not advancing in these things. And if we're sick, we have an unfruitful knowledge of Jesus Christ. We're not bearing fruit through our knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now that word knowledge there is epinosis, which means knowledge upon knowledge. I said used gnosis a while ago. There's one thing about knowing the word, and there's one thing about knowing the word, Jesus Christ. We know the word through gnosis. We know Jesus Christ through epinosis. Gnosis upon gnosis. Knowledge upon knowledge. A deep Knowledge of Jesus Christ. Listen to me. If your soul is useless and barren, you do not have a fruitful knowledge of Jesus Christ. You don't have it. You're sick. You might be saved. If you're saved, you have the divine seed. You have fertile, a fertile soul. But if you're not advancing in faith and virtue and knowledge of, and self-control, and perseverance, and godliness, and brotherly kindness, and love, agape love, then your soul is rotting. It's sick. And we have an unfruitful relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, there's a kind of a paradox here. If you have an unfruitful relationship with Jesus Christ, then what's going to happen to your fertile soul? It's going to get more and more barren, isn't it? More and more useless. But if you've got a a useful, if you're using that fertile land, what's going to happen to your relationship with Jesus Christ? It's going to become more and more fruitful. So these things go together. The more we're advancing in godliness and love the more fruitful our relationship with Jesus Christ. And the more fruitful our relationship with Jesus Christ, the more we're advancing in godliness and love. They are, it kind of goes in a circle. But you want to know, Mike? If I was the doctor, what I would tell much of the church today, and, and I might include myself here too, most of us look pretty pale. We look pretty sickly. And here's why. Peter gives us the diagnosis in verse number nine. If you feel a little sick, I'm not trying to make you sick on purpose, but if you're feeling a little sick, here's the diagnosis. For he who likes these things, verse number nine, for he who likes these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he has cleansed, that he was cleansed from his old sins. What's the problem? What's the problem? If we like these things, we're short sighted even to blindness and we've forgotten that we've been cleansed from our sins. Now Peter takes us to two doctors in that verse. First of all, he takes us to the eye doctor and and, and and let me start with that first phrase. For he who lacks these things. What things? Virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, uh love. You lacking it there anywhere there? Well, you need to go to the eye doctor. And 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 he takes us to the eye doctor. And We ask ourselves, are we lacking anywhere? I mean, let's take a good look at ourselves. Are we lacking anything? Man, I can head to the last one on that list, divine love. Loving people I don't like. Praying for those who persecute me. And man, I lack. And I could really go to about every one of those things on, on that list and say, I lack. I lack. There's something wrong with me spiritually. I'm not perfectly spiritually healthy. I know it's going to surprise some of y'all, but I'm not. But, but it, y'all won't surprise me either. <laughs> not many of us have arrived. Very few Peters are hanging around here anymore. If there were, we would see, We would be seeing the lame walk and the blind see. We would be seeing a lot more going on in our midst than we see now. But I think the reason we don't see things happening in our midst is that we're Sick. We're a little bit sick. And so we go to the eye doctor and, the, and he says, for he who lacks these things is short-sighted. Now that word short-sighted is the Greek word from we, which we get the medical term, myopia. Anybody in here have myopia? I, I see a lot of people with myopia in here. That's really bad, by the way, myopia. If you've got myopia... You're in bad, bad... I see a lot of y'all got myopia. Do y'all know what myopia is? It's nearsightedness. Those of you with glasses that can't see me without those glasses, you might be better off. But if you can't see me without those glasses, it is better. (laughs) You have what's called myopia. It's not a deadly disease, but it's nearsightedness. You, You can't see things that are far away. You can see up close, but you can't see things that are far away. And I believe that's the spiritual condition of most Christians. We have spiritual myopia. In other words, we only could see this material present that we live in. We can't, we're not looking at things far away. We can't see things far off. We won't open up our soul to see things far off. Instead of having our focus on heaven, we have our focus on this earth. Instead of believing in the great future that we have, we're just worried about this present. And so we have spiritual myopia. That's why Paul says in Colossians 3, if you want to be healthy, spiritually healthy, then, then you must seek those things where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Where's Christ? He's on His throne at the right hand of God. How many of you, when you pray, look past your closet and see Christ at the right hand of God? Well, if you're not seeing that, you've got spiritual myopia. And, and 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 so he Paul tells us. In Colossians 3, that we're to set our mind on things above, not on this earth. That's our problem. We're looking just right at the things that are right in front of us. And our lives should be, Paul says, hidden with Christ in God. Hidden with Christ in God. All of our lives. You know, we sing these songs, and, and I, I, sometimes I want to scream, no, we shouldn't even be singing this because we're lying. Amen. That's right. I surrender everything we sang this morning. How many of you surrendered everything? Nobody. None of us have surrendered everything. Should we surrender everything? The song is great. But don't sing it if you don't mean it. And part of surrendering everything is surrendering our vision to, to where we see Christ. Where we, we're looking at Christ, where our focus is on Christ and not on this world. He's got to be our focus. That doesn't mean we don't have, we don't deal with our families, enjoy our lives, go to our jobs, and do all that kind of stuff. We don't become monks and just hang around looking at Christ. But we should always have a sense that we see Christ on his throne. That he's always present with us. And instead of focusing always on our present situation, We need to be looking at the great future that we have in Jesus Christ. Look back at verse number 4. Peter says that we've been given exceedingly great and precious promises. A lot of those promises are for the present, but a lot of those promises are for the future. And one of the great promises that we have, let me tell you what, and you talk about a promise you need to get through this world if you want to be spiritually healthy, and this is the promise, that Christ is returning soon. And he is going to put down all of this wickedness. He's going to He's going to rule this world with a rod of iron, and he's going to rule in righteousness and truth. Lord, wouldn't that be great to see righteousness and truth ruling in our country right now? We're nowhere near that. Everything's a lie. Everything we're told on the media is a lie. Not everything, but almost everything. And and, and so I've got to look to the future. I can't say, you know, I mean, I've got to live in the present, and I've got to... I've got to take the promises that are for the present and I've got to apply those to my present life. But I've got to I've got to hang on to the future too and realize that Christ is yes, presently, he's on his throne, he's ruling and reigning, and one day he's coming back. And I believe that day is coming soon. And he's gonna rule and reign in righteousness. What are the symptoms of spiritual myopia? Let me give them to you. First of all. A bitter spirit. You know what? You focus on this world. You're going to get a bitter spirit. If all you can see is what's happening to you in the present. If all you can see what's happening to your health, what's happening to your wealth, what's happening to your nation, what's happening to this world, you're going to have a bitter spirit. So you may take your focus off this world some. Let me tell you the second symptom that that you're going to have. You're going to have an unloving spirit. You, can't, you get a bitter spirit, you can't have a loving spirit. You can't have agape love. You can't have phileo love when all you're concerned about is his present situation and how terrible it is. You can't love others. Well, I love everybody. You can talk that talk all you want. But let me tell you the other symptom of a spiritual myopia is you don't serve. You don't serve anywhere, you just serve yourself. A healthy Christian serves. An unhealthy Christian just lives for himself. And the reason an unhealthy Christian lives for himself because, hey, he's bitter. He doesn't see the future. He only sees the present. And so, you know, forget those rewards. I'm I'm not worried about those rewards I'm going to get in heaven for serving the Lord. I'm not worried about that. Oh, man, that time's coming a lot sooner than you think. You might be there tomorrow. You might die, the Lord might return. And if you don't love, you don't love, you don't care about other people because you're so concerned about yourself. You're not going to serve. You're not going to serve. Hopelessness. That's another symptom of spiritual myopia is hopelessness. Man, when you, you see somebody up on a tower shooting down policemen, you see a man in batting rooms gunned down by policemen. Man, I tell you what, if I'm not in this world, if I'm not in, in a relationship with the Lord, I, things look pretty hopeless to me. Hopelessness, by the way, breeds a bitter spirit. A bitter spirit brings an unloving spirit, and an unloving spirit breeds a spirit that doesn't serve. So all these are tied together. But I got to tell you, you focus on this world and you focus on the present and that's all your focus is on. You're going to be hopeless. Things are getting more and more hopeless. But you know what? They're heading more and more to my hope. My hopes in the Lord and the return of the Lord. My hopes in the future I have with the Lord. My hopes in the relationship with the present relationship I have in the Lord. And if you're hopeless and you're bitter and you're unloving and you don't serve, you're sick and you have a cold relationship with Jesus Christ, an unfruitful relationship with Jesus Christ. Unfruitful. When your relationship with Jesus Christ is totally unfruitful, And you're bearing no fruit. You're in danger. There's a danger. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But but let's go on. Next he takes us to the brain doctor. We all need to go to the brain doctor, I think, from time to time. And look what he tells us in the last part of this verse. He He says he has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. What, what's the brain doctor saying? The brain doctor's saying you've got spiritual Alzheimer's disease. You've got spiritual Alzheimer's. You're in bad shape. I was talking to somebody earlier today whose mother has Alzheimer's. Our father has Alzheimer's. My mother has Alzheimer's. And I don't want to make light of Alzheimer's. But you know what it is. You forget things. You can't remember anything. It's Like the guy who went to the doctor and the doctor said, after the lab results came back, the doctor said, you know, it's really, really bad, really, really bad. He said, what, how bad is it? He says, you have cancer and Alzheimer's. The guy thought about it a minute. He said, well, that's not so bad. At least I don't have cancer. I got to think about that. See, we've forgotten what Christ has done for us. We've forgotten that we had sin cancer. A cancer that was destroying our souls, that was destroying us spiritually. But, man, what you want to remember is this. Jesus died and he, I mean, Jesus came to this earth as God and he emptied himself of his glory and he died on a cross for our sins. How many of our sins? All our sins. You want to cheer up in a lost and dying world? Remember this. Jesus has died for all of your sins. Past and present and future. He's paid for them all. His blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Every single sin. All of them. You talk about a good deal. Is that not a good deal? But we forget. We forget what he's done for us. And so we're sick. We're sick. I see people who are sick all the time, and one of the symptoms is condemnation. They feel condemned. They feel the devil comes to them and, and has a heyday with them, comes to us, because he comes to me sometimes and tells me, you, you can't be saved. and have, well, You're a pastor, and you did that, or you said that. I mean, you can't even be saved. Well, if I let that get me down, what's the... What's Causing my problem. What's the brain doctor going to tell me? You've got spiritual Alzheimer's. You've forgotten what Christ has done for you. Let me tell you, the second symptom is pride. You know, we get to thinking, you know, yeah, Jesus paid for my sins up on the cross. And now I've been washed clean. And now I'm going to live a holy life the rest of my life. I'm going to adopt the holiness doctrine and I'm never going to sin again. Good luck with that. You've forgotten how wretched you are, were, and are still! You still have your flesh. Yes, you've been given the divine nature, but you still have a sinful flesh. That flesh will not be redeemed until you are glorified. So you're gonna sin, and if you're trying to trying to rid yourself of your sin through your own effort, it's not gonna work. You've forgotten. That Christ has died for you. You've forgotten that he's given you his spirit. And by his spirit, you put to death the deeds of the flesh. And let me tell you, the worst symptom of spiritual Alzheimer's is ingratitude. Ingratitude. And you don't know what the symptom of ingratitude is? Murmuring. Complaining against God. Let me tell you what God thinks about that. Or you want to find out what God thinks about that? Go back to Exodus and study about the Israelites and what happened to every swinging one of them, except, well, even Moses, except Joshua and Caleb. They perished in the wilderness. And when we murmur and complain against God about our situation, we have forgotten what he's done for us. And that reeks of ingratitude. And nothing will make you more spiritually sick than ingratitude. Now, we're going to stop right there and we're going to pick up next week. There's one more diagnosis coming and I'm, I'm going to save it for next week because it's I don't want to keep you another 15 minutes. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. But you better be here to hear about it. (laughs) Father, we just thank you for your word and how convicting it is. Lord, I think if any of us put ourselves to the mirror that we just looked at and have you analyze our souls and our spirits, Lord, we'll see that we're a little pale, Lord. Maybe some of us are really sick. Lord, but we know the cure. The cure is to to focus on you, Lord. To put our focus on you. To to believe the promises that you've given us. To trust in you and rest in you. And Lord, to be obedient to your calling and election. We just just ask that uh, you show us where we're at with you spiritually. And Lord... We just ask for you to bless us by the power of your Holy Spirit. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen.